Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. something a little bit different today, guys. We wanted to have less of, this is intentional, we didn't want it to feel so much like we're just preaching a message, although we will teach a little bit today and, and go through some scriptures. We really wanted to sit down at a table as a family and, and really talk about what we feel like God is doing in our house and especially with God's promises and, and where where we feel like we're going and and uh, specifically these next few weeks are going to be really important for us as as a body. And so we're Obviously, we're on a journey. We've been a three-and-a-half-year-old church, so we're, we're a baby still, <laughs> still wearing diapers as a church. We've got a lot to learn and grow, but God has done so many things. And it's really, a, it's, it's important that you know our heart that we don't feel like th- this is not about Crystal and myself, like our individual calling, like our lives, and we're saying, hey, would you guys just join what God's doing in our lives? That is not what we're talking about. Um, although we do believe in God placing leaders that pioneer vision, at the end of the day, we believe God has a purpose for this house. God has purpose for this city. And we believe that every single person that's called in this body is called to be a part of it. And so we want to sit down again as a family and just kind of process through what God is speaking and, and what we feel like is happening. And we want as a family for us to, to all be on the same page. Sound good? So So what we've really felt is... This happened kind of uh, without us even talking, and then, and then it just kind of was organic that we realized God was stirring our hearts in the same direction. But um, Pastor Crystal and myself, we both had individually without speaking, God was stirring our hearts for the promises, some of the things that he's spoken over our body. I don't know how else to explain it, but we just felt like there is an, that we're about to enter into a time of acceleration with these things, a quickening with them. Um, that's the only way I can explain it. And, and so we really felt like we needed to come together. She felt that, I felt that, and was kind of like passing by in the, in the kitchen, literally, where it was like, what's God speaking to you? And it was like, wow, that's interesting. That's what he's speaking to me, different scriptures, but same thing. And we've had so many different people that aren't even aware of things that God has said for this house. They've just had dreams, visions. They said, hey, I saw this. They didn't even know it means anything. And this was confirmation of stuff that God has said. Uh, most recently, we had an individual from the ministry I worked at previously at uh, Brooklyn Teen Challenge. This was only a few weeks ago. He had no idea what God was stirring in our hearts, but he actually reached out to Crystal on Facebook Messenger. And just to put it in context, I was friendly with him, but we never hung outside of ministry. So it's not like we talk all the time. And since I've left that ministry three and a half years ago, I haven't spoken a word with him. So just to kind of add, like, the, the godness to it... Um, he, uh, he reached out to Crystal and said, hey, I, I had a dream of you and Andrew last night, and you guys were standing on the bank of a river, which there's so many things to that, because Daniel's the scripture were highlighted about fasting and, uh, for three weeks, and Daniel was on the bank of a river, which is really interesting, and then promises came through. Uh, but, but he said, I saw you guys on the bank of a river, and I could see that you guys were wrestling through what God has promised to this body, almost, almost along the lines of, did, did God say that he was going to do this? Did we catch it right? And he said, you guys were standing strong, but I could see it was weighing heavy on your heart. And, and, he, and to sum it up, he basically said, I, I feel like the Lord said that um, he is faithful and he is going to do everything that he has said. He's going to do everything that he has said. And to be encouraged to know that God's favor is upon this house and to keep moving forward in this. So I feel for so many, it's like this perfect storm where God is really calling us to contend. And so the big picture is, where we'll end with this is, um, we feel that God is calling us corporately into a three-week fast starting tomorrow. And obviously we'll go through what that looks like and people can enter in at different places um, and, and fast in different ways. But we feel like God is asking us to stir up a zeal and a hunger to contend for these promises. And, and we're going to see, I really believe we're... Every time we gather, everything we walk through is significant, but there are certain seasons I think that you look back on and say that was different. Like that really marked us, and I think at the end of this three weeks, we're going to realize like something shifted from this, okay? This is how it's always been for us, guys. Like part of this is just we're just sharing our heart and our story a little bit, but from the beginning, 
God has always desired, I mean, this is for everyone, but there's something I can't explain. There's something unique I just feel where God says, I want to speak, and then I want you guys to respond right to that. When, when, when we were um, church planning and, and right at the beginning, one of the things that we did is we put together this extensive presentation, and I began, it was crazy. <laughs> and we began to meet, I just reached out to every church possible, and I was just sharing the vision, I was I was asking for finance and support, and I was, I mean, I was meeting with all these churches. And just so you've got to get, get an understanding, when we started that, uh, there was two particular times where I knew it was confirmation where I, I, um, I met. One was with the harbor, which we're so grateful for the harbor. They've been so generous. They still are to this day with supporting us. But I was sitting down with their board sharing what we were doing, and the one lady stopped. And she said, hey, I just have to share this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I just sense the Lord wants something so intimate with this church. And it is not going to look like what you think church looks like. <laughs> and, <laughs> this was three and a half years ago, and I didn't really fully process that. But she said, "It's not. look, if you've ever been here, this just, and I feel like we're just beginning to grow in that. But that can be frustrating if you're used to something Man, I remember my grandfather, our first, this is reminded me of this, our first service in the Master Beach property owners, he got a prophetic word that he shared, and he was sharing Isaiah, where he says, do you not perceive that God is doing a new thing? You felt, you felt the presence of God come in that room and say, this is a new thing that's happening here. And then just a few days after that meeting with the one lady where she stopped this meeting, they all laid hands on me and prayed and said, listen, do not let anyone come in between you and God. Do not look to something. God wants to speak right from him to you guys, and you guys just respond. Um, I, a few weeks later, I met with my grandfather, Dr. Lynn Lucas, who was a good friend of my grandmother's. And we were at a diner, and we're sharing, going through the presentation. She's like, she closes it. She's like, this is great. She's like, but I need to say, I don't know how else to put it, but God is, there's a jealousy for God to, for this to be just him and you guys. And this is not going to look like the way that you expect. It's not going to look like what we've known as church. It's going to be very, very different. So all that to say, that's been, um, that's just been from our, our roots. And, and again, we feel like God has said things and we, we just want to say yes to that and follow it. All right. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, well, the Lord spoke to you from, yeah. from Genesis, and you probably start us off there. Yeah. Well, I didn't know at first it was from Genesis, but I was driving in the car, and um, I get, um, like, prophetic words from the Lord. Um, so he just will speak to me usually when I'm driving in the car, and I don't really um, know what scripture he's referencing, but I heard the Lord say, did God really say? And these things happen, like, out of the blue. I'm not thinking. I'm, like, thinking, oh, should I wear white tomorrow, purple? And I heard the Lord say, or I'm thinking about what I want to eat the next meal. <laughs> I think that's what it was going on. And then, and, then, and then I heard the Lord say, did God really say? And I was like, what? That sounds like the Holy Spirit saying that. I said, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? He said, that's going to be the main tool of discouragement in this season is to steal what I've spoken to you. And to make you doubt what I have spoken to you. And so I just really felt so deeply in my spirit exactly what um, Pastor Andrew is saying is that he wanted us to reclaim the things that he has spoken to us, both individually but corporately as well. And now you might say, well, what does the corporate thing have to do with me? But if you're in these seats, the corporate thing has everything to do with you. <laughs> Because as God unfolds his promises in this house, he unfolds his promises in your life. We're all linked. We're the body of Christ. So, yeah, amen. <laughs> so, yeah, that is what I felt the Lord speaking to me, ministering to me so deeply, is that the enemy wants to try to get you to doubt the things that God has clearly spoken to you in saying, wait, did God really say, right? And... I was just reminded of a lot of promises in this house that I know of and um, that I know have not come to pass or fruition, both corporately and personally. And I just want to really encourage you to cling to those things in this season and to hope for those things in this season. So I just want to show you in, uh, come to Genesis 3, 1 through 5. This has always been the plan of the enemy to steal God's word from his people. 
to get you to doubt if you've really actually heard what he said. So, come with me to Genesis 3. It's so simple. It's really simple. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You see, the enemy wants to make you think that you have misheard God. <laughs> he wants you in the middle of circumstance and real life to say, that must have not been the truth, right? And I just felt so deep in my heart that we were going to contend as a family and see as a family these things come to pass, that we know our promises from God. The enemy always comes to do three things, to kill, steal, and to destroy, right? So that's why he steals God's words is because in the word of God is life, right? In the word of God is your purpose. In the word of God is your destiny. So if he can steal that from you, he can steal God's lordship over your life. Do you understand? Because everything that we do, everything that we, we believe is the truth, dictates our actions, our decisions, right? Everything that we do is dictated by, at least as believers, what we believe God has said, or at least we try as hard as we can, amen? So if the enemy can steal that, God is no longer the Lord over your life. Now the enemy can speak what he wants, like we see here in Genesis, and we know what happened. So we need to be wise to the plans of the enemy and trust that we have heard from God. The things that we know, there's significant moments in our lives prophecies and just when we're in the scripture reading the scripture where we just say oh gosh the Lord said right and I get a lot of phone calls like that and then I also um, get a lot of phone calls like I don't know I don't think that might be true you know but I, I just feel that God wants us to cling to those things to remember that moment to write them down, to paste them up on the wall, whatever you have to do to encourage yourself that God said and that you would live from that place of his word. Yeah. Can I share something on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so something that was stirring in my heart from this, and actually when we're going through the names of God is where I first saw this, but is everyone open to this passage? Because I want you to see this. I think it's just really interesting how the enemy does this. If you actually go back into chapter 2 of Genesis, and again, we're, we're getting some, we're going to go through the promises. We're just stirring our heart for, for how important it is to, to, to know what God has said and to orient our lives around it. But if you actually go to verse 4, in chapter 1, when God came on the scene, it says in the beginning, God, just God, Elohim, okay? But now look at chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. It says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, Okay, so this is the first time all caps Lord is introduced, which is Yahweh, which speaks to the relational aspect of God. Now check this out. Look at verse 5. I can't read all of this. It just goes on and on. But verse 5 says, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God. You guys see that? If you go into verse 7, it says, then the Lord God formed the man out of dust. Go to verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden in the Eden. Verse 9, and out of the ground, the Lord God. If you go, keep reading, verse, I'm, I may have skipped some, but verse 15, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man. I mean, you can just keep going through, and the point is over and over and over, it says, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, right? You guys see that? All the way up until Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. But now look what Satan does when he comes. Satan said to the woman, did God actually say? So you just had a pattern of Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, and then Satan comes in and says, did God say? Right. Satan intentionally dropped Lord out of it. Wow. 
So Elohim is a big creator God, and it's important to understand that. But Yahweh is the relational, personal God where he begins to see. When he speaks words as Elohim, he creates everything. But as Yahweh, he wants his word to bear weight on your life. And so when Satan came, he wasn't afraid to say God is Elohim. But what he didn't want them to know is that he's also Yahweh. He's also personal to you. He wants his words to hit your life and that you reorient your lives around those words. So what we're doing as a body is we're saying, you're Elohim, but you are Yahweh. <laughs> you are our personal God. And when you speak to us, we yield our lives to your word. Good. Yes? Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, if you look at just verse 5 as a side note, I feel like this kind of goes with it. Um, the serpent says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And I felt like part of the... Um, plan of the enemy and the weapon of the enemy is for um, your idea of who God is to be challenged, for him to kind of warp your idea of the nature of God. Um, so if you have um, been waiting for a promise and your idea of God is being warped, just be intentional to cling to the word of God and who the word of God says God is so that the enemy doesn't warp your idea of who he is and kind of make you feel like he's different than what you know him to be. Yeah. Amen. So, yeah, um, I just had one more little thing with this is uh, in the new covenant. Now, you guys might, you know, we're like, oh, God spoke to us. God said this. God said that. Some of you guys might say, well, I don't hear that. I don't, you know, God doesn't speak to me. Yes, he does. You're in the new covenant. Your ears are open. And the word of God, one of my favorite scriptures is his sheep hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice. It's just, you can't argue with it. His sheep hear his voice. The Holy Spirit is a speaking God. So you are able to hear the voice of God. So don't think to yourself, oh, that was my thought. That must have been me. When you feel God on it, it's God. <laughs> Especially when you feel it's something that by nature you probably wouldn't think yourself because it's too good to be true. Or it's kind of out of left field. Um, you know, we're kind of, um, we have wicked hearts, so our thoughts are mostly wicked. <laughs> so anytime there's a good thought or a wonderful, you know, marvelous plan that pops into our head, I like to say, okay, that must be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because it ain't me. Okay, so if you guys um, would turn with me to Mark 4, 24 through 25. This is what the Lord had given me in the car with um, did God really say the Genesis? I just love when he speaks and it really aligns. Then I know he's really speaking. <laughs> so, say amen when you get there. <laughs> it's Mark 4, 24 through 25. It says, and he said to them, pay attention to what you here, Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Pick me. And for the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Pay attention to what you hear. And make your choices out of what you hear from the word of God. Because then God will trust you with more of what he has to say. <laughs> when we walk in faith, when we live in faith, when we trust the word of God and the promises of God, when all of our decisions are made with those in mind, he will be faithful to that and he will give you more. And I felt a warning that God was saying, and if you don't, you're not going to inherit the, these things. They're not just, the kingdom of God has a lot of reaping and sowing. Salvation is purchased by the blood of Christ. But there are many things that are purchased because of our submission to what he has asked us to do and how to live. Right? Yeah? So I believe this is one of those things. And that's why God is saying contend, contend. 
cling to the promises. Encourage God's people to cling to the promises, to pray into the promises, to fast and intercede for the promises, to make their decisions in their lives around the promises so that they will inherit the promises, ultimately to bring him glory, but also to make you glad. <laughs> right? Amen? So, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um. Yeah, I wanted her to share. There's a gentleman by the name of Ben Fitzgerald. Um, we'll just share it now. But he was yeah, talking about when he travels this. around, one of the things that he hears so often in all the cities he goes to is that this is going to be the place that God is going to initiate revival from. And so he, uh, he basically came away and said, Lord, is everyone hearing or not? You're reading the quote? No, you're going to read it now. But <laughs> it's along those lines. <laughs> it says, all over the world, people consistently say this one sentence to me. They say, God told us this place is the key to revival in our nation. <laughs> yeah, this is just really blessing my heart because when I hear, like, prophetic words, I'm like, that's our word. That's what God gave us. What do you mean in here and here in Montana? I'm like, that's in Mastic Beach. Um, I asked God one time why, uh, why it often doesn't happen and why so many people are sure they heard the same thing. He answered me and said, I've told them the same thing to see what city will believe it and obey me. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Which means it's for us. Yeah. <laughs> it's for us. But that's why we're going through this because we're going to believe it and we're going to keep just plugging away at this until we see it. Yeah. And I just think that... Um, Oftentimes, it's the, the doing, right? We're supposed to be doers of God's word and obviously the scripture. But the scripture is fulfilled in our lives through God's specific direction from the Holy Spirit, right? So my obedience doesn't always look like Andrew's obedience, right? Andrew's obedience doesn't always look like Elijah's not here, but Elijah's obedience, right, with his streamer. Although I'd like to see that. That would be really wonderful. <laughs> I know you guys would like to see that too. Um, but a lot of times if we um, only live from doubt and fear, we won't change our patterns and things like that. But if we live from the word of God, there's going to be uh, friction because it's usually against the world's patterns. It's against even sometimes our own personalities. And yeah, I just want to encourage you to cling to those promises and make decisions from there and break the habits Break the habits by the power of the Spirit and surrender that hold you back from engaging in those promises. And if you can't break them yourself, get accountable. Get somebody who can help you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so to that point, I feel like this just is a good segue. First Timothy chapter 1, if you guys could turn there. I want to just share this and share something in Romans and then we'll go through these promises. And I'll finish off with just... Talking about fasting. You guys with us? I'll interrupt him <laughs> to talk about something Again, else. I know we're just kind of <laughs> having a table talk. It's really hard to sit down right now. i got to, like, get up. <laughs> you can get up. First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. I just want to share this one verse. But this verse, I think, is so important and really um, hits on what we're talking about today. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, and it says this. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. So there were prophecies. There were things that were promised to Timothy. They were spoken over his life. And, and what Paul is saying is that according to those prophecies that were previously made about you, that by them, so by those prophecies, by those promises that were given to you, you may wage the good warfare. So he's saying you're going to wage warfare with the prophecies spoken over your life. So, so in light of like did God really say what Pastor Crystal said, I feel like the imagery here is that, because we can all relate on a personal level and I feel we're dressing on a corporate level, but we can get stuck in this tension, this gap between reception of promise and fulfillment of promise. Right? This is what he's really talking about to Timothy. He says, Timothy, when you're in that gap of God speaking something but you've yet to see it come to pass, you are not left defenseless. God has given you things to fight. And one of them is the very prophecy itself. He says you can actually weaponize that by keeping it in front of you mm -hmm. and reorienting your lives around it. Like, like the Hebrews Hall of Faith, those guys, those men and women, the thing in common is they all took action. But what really hit me is that their action took place long before the promise ever happened. 
Like anyone can build a boat when it starts raining. <laughs> but, but Noah built a boat 120 years prior to rain when it had never rained like that before. Like he started saying, if God said this, I'm going to start changing my life now. Like I think about, I think about Rob's a great example where he went back to school because he knows God is opening up doors for him in ministry. So he's not waiting for that to happen. He's taking a step and changing his life now, right? So, so here's the thing is he says you can wage war, which is a very aggressive offensive term. And that's what we're going to do with these promises that God's spoken is we're going to wage war. And I feel this is so important because if we do not do that, if we don't keep God's promises or, or, or like the words that he speaks over us when we're in that tension, there's a lot of things that can start to happen to us with those promises. And to just simplify it, I, I, was, I put it down, you know, I like my, my alliteration and things. Uh, three Ds. Number one is that I think we can get really discouraged. Proverbs 13, 12 says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Deferred means to put off, to be delayed, uh, to be out of reach. And the Bible says that when you feel like hope is no longer in reach, when you feel like things that God said he's going to do, it's never going to happen, what happens is your heart begins to get sick. It gets weak. It, it, it's, it, man, it saps the strength out of you. I mean, literally, like depression, all these things I've been there begin to creep into your life when you feel like there's no hope. But the good news is Zechariah 9 prophesies that when Jesus comes, this humble king on a donkey, he will make us prisoners of hope. <laughs> you can't even, like you're surrounded by hope with Jesus. So we've got to continually keep these things before us. If, if, I almost feel like there's a progression. If, we don't, if we're not careful, our hearts get discouraged. And the next thing I see is that our hearts get distracted then. So Proverbs 29, 18 says that where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Meaning when we don't know what God is speaking and we're not really aware of what God is saying he's going to do, we start anchoring our lives in all these other things. Yeah. We start pursuing all these other things. Like, that's why we spend so much time to come back to the prayer room, because of how essential it is. It's not because we don't know what else to speak on, but we've got to keep the vision of what God is saying over this house. Or else, we'll start birthing other ministries that are not bad, but they're not what God asked us to do. If we don't keep the promise before us in that tension, we start settling and anchoring our lives in lesser assignments. And they're not bad. They're very noble tasks. They're worthy of attention to, to a degree. But they were never meant for us to build our lives around. They were never meant to dominate our lives. Yeah. And so we've got to keep this, this promise before us so that we build on the right thing. And then the last thing is, which is probably the, the final thing, is that I think we can just flat out deny. <laughs> I know yeah. it's happened in my life where we say, did God really say? Like, no, God didn't say this. And I almost feel that that happens to justify when we've settled for other assignments That's than right. what he's called us to. Yes. It actually makes me more comfortable with the lack of breakthrough that I'm seeing. Or if you are like, uh, you have a personal tension, like a personality difference with what God's asking you to do, yeah. it's easier to just be like, no, 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 he didn't say that. So you don't have to like jump into something other than what you're comfortable doing, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I feel like when, we, when I say deny, it's not just always a flat out denial. I see what happens in my life is I start to redefine it. Mm. And I start to bring it down to a more and more like natural level until basically I feel no discomfort with not seeing it in my life anymore. Moses, when he went up to Mount Sinai, it says he received the blueprint of the tabernacle. He received heaven's blueprint. And then when he comes out of 40 days in the glory of God, I mean, he's like on an absolute fast. It's completely supernatural. He didn't eat or drink. He comes down and he's met with sin. But it says that he continued to build according to what he saw. He did not allow what he saw in the valley to redefine what he saw on that mountaintop. Yeah. He said, this is what God said. We're going to build according to that. So, so, like, we hear these things from God. and You know, you come away with the Lord or corporately, like, we're, we're in a place where it's like God said this. And it's like, that's amazing. We're caught up with the Lord. And then we get released back to day-to-day life. And it's really easy through all of that to start to little by little say, well, maybe it wasn't as extreme as that. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. But, no, God has said some like, honestly, I, my tendency would be to, to, to dumb this down. God has said some really big things that he wants to do in this city, uh, and he wants all of us a part of it. So we've got to keep this before us. Yeah, can I just, um, if you guys look right before, go back to Matthew 4 in 14 and 20. When Andrew told me about the discourage, distract, deny, the Lord reminded me before the scripture that I had just read to you guys about um, paying attention to what you hear, Um, We have the parable of the seed, which 
I'm sure you guys are familiar with the parable of the seed. Uh, but in the context, because God, what he speaks to us personally and prophetically is just as important as what the word of God says. Because it all comes out of the same mouth, which is the mouth of truth, right? So I just want you to read uh, Matthew 4, 14 through 20. And this is Jesus explaining to the disciples what that parable meant. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word that is sown in them, right? When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Okay, 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, right? When we get a word from God, don't we? I mean, I know, you guys. I get phone calls left and right. God said, oh, my gosh, God said. But then it says, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a little while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And I felt like that was really the, de the, the deny, right? is that we can be so excited how God has spoken to us, but when we're walking in the everyday trial and persecution and um, people talking about us or people being angry because we're um, doing something that they, they don't want us to be doing, that we can literally just say, you know what, I must have not heard that and deny what God has said, right? And uh, 18, and others are other ones sown among thorns, they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke that word. And that is the distract, right? So the desires for the world, the desires for riches, and honestly, in America, this is probably the number one thing, I would say, the reason why we don't see a lot of the promises of God and even the word of God in power demonstrated is because we are deceived by the riches of the world, and we are just, we think that the gospel is the same thing. That's a whole other message. But anyway, this is another reason why we give up um, on the prophetic words of the Lord. And uh, yeah, it proves unfruitful. But this is, this is the one we cling to, and the reason why we're speaking this message. 20 says, but those that are sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And I think the Lord is saying, we're going to be good fruit. <laughs> we're going to hear those words, and we're going to allow it to dictate our decisions, our lives, and we're going to allow it to be the thing that we pour our lives into in intercession and fasting and, and yeah, everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. One last thing I'll just share in that. I want to frame it that we feel the jealousy of God. That's why we're sharing this. Yeah. But we are, like, we're just sharing things that, that, that I feel like that Ben Fitzgerald quote, that, that rob places of seeing what they know God has spoken. And at the end of the day, whatever it looks like, whether it's being distracted, discouraged, just redefining, as Pastor Chris said before, the enemy wants to steal that thing, mm -hmm. that word, that promise. Um, he wants to kill it. And, and really what he wants us to do is to abort God's purpose for us. And I think one of the most beautiful pictures of this is uh, Mary who was carrying baby Jesus. Now, she literally carried a human. But if you think about this, Jesus is the fulfillment of every Old Testament promise. So Mary becomes a prophetic picture of carrying the promise of the Lord. Right? And all of us, like right now corporately, we're carrying promises of the Lord for this city. And when Mary, like... When you think about someone who gets pregnant, over time, there's a weight that comes to that. Like literally in the natural, but in the spiritual, there's a weight. <laughs> Alex is looking at me like. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's discomfort and your body gets stretched and there's inconvenience. And eventually Mary would begin to show with what she was carrying. Like at some point, what she was carrying would be put on display. And she would have to bear the reproach of carrying that promise. Some people will never understand what you're carrying. Yeah. They will never understand it. Do not abort it because people don't understand it. I believe that the more we show what God has put in us, she said the word of God is a seed, right? The word, the Greek word for, for seed is sperma. Literally, it's where we get sperm. The word is alive. Paul told Timothy that when, when he, that he said, do not neglect the gift that you were given through prophecy when the elders laid hands on you. Meaning when they laid hands and they prophesied, he received the seed of the word in him that was the gift itself. That's good. 
God has put seeds in us corporally, and he's telling us to steward them. And we'll bear reproach. There will be discomfort. But he's saying, do not abort. Like, seriously, guys, I've seen, man, and again, I'm, I'm seeing this. I, I'm so hopeful. I just want to put before you that even with, within, like, this body, I've seen some that have said, like, this is where I'm at. They see, like, the visions, dreams are the same things that we've confirmed. And then we enter into process. And the moment we're in process, it's like, oh, I, I'm going. And it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. What happened to the things that God said that were confirmation? And it's, it's really, that is not to take lightly. That is, that is spiritual abortion to the promises God's given. And I want us to deliver a baby. <laughs> I want us to deliver what God is doing. All right? And he, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. All that Mary had to do, she didn't have to work anything up. All she had to do was surrender. When the word is spoken, the word has the power to do the very thing that it speaks. All we have to do is have a heart that's yielded. Mary didn't understand how it happened, but she said, I love you and I'll give my life for this. Right. And that's all that we're doing. All right? Um, all right, let's, let's keep going. Let's go uh, Romans 4. Let me share this and then we'll go through the promises. Moving fast. All right, Genesis, uh, not Genesis, Romans 4. I just want to read this. Can you grab? Can you that? So Romans 4, verse 18. I feel like there's just so much power in this text. I'm not really going to give any commentary on it. But this is about um, Abraham and how he believed. And obviously, a lot of you, I'm sure, know God spoke to Abraham uh, when when. What God said seemed absolutely impossible. It was by natural means. You're going to read that. I mean, there's no way he could have a, a promised child. He was asked to leave everything. He didn't even know where he was going. This, this text has really encouraged Crystal and I in many ways. But look at verse 18. It says, in hope, he, meaning Abraham, believed against hope. Which means when there was no reason to have hope, Abraham kept believing. Like, that is a phenomenal scripture. In hope, he believed against hope. When it seemed like it could never pass, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Everything was working against this promise in the natural. Verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. I mean, if we just shape our lives around that, it's like we're on to the next thing. But what if that looked like a lie? So I want to share, I want to share a personal story with us when we were coming out to plant. Um, so when we were transitioning from Teen Challenge, we had a 30-day window before we had to, to leave. And Crystal and I did what only we know how to do when our, uh, man, I feel the Lord. <laughs> it just brings me back. When we don't know what to do, we seek the Lord. And so we went on a three-day fast together. And we did a three-day water fast. And we were morning, noon, and night. I just have images. You're on the floor in the living room. We're crying out to God. What are you going to do? And uh, we're on our third day. It hits the night. And she's on the floor. I'm at the couch. And I don't have many of these. This is very special to me. I'm going to show you something. But I had a vision where I, I was taken up to the roof of the Brooklyn apartment. And I guess all artificial lighting was removed because when I looked up, I saw a sky littered with stars. Now, God has used the story of Abraham in a major way in my life. And if you know the story of Abraham, when Abraham was discouraged and believed, how could this happen? God showed him the stars. He says, count them if you can. And really what God was saying is if I can do this, I can do what I'm asking, what I'm saying I'm going to do in your life. And there was already things God was, like big things that God was putting in our heart for this city. And I was like, I don't even know how to start a church. I don't know any of that. I didn't know the next, I wasn't even ordained. And so God showed this picture. And what's amazing is that as I'm in this place, like it was just straight glory, the song came on that says, and he who holds the stars and calls them each by name. So I'm in this thing and then I hear the song come We'll on. surely keep. His promise will surely keep his promises. So here I am, and I just break this place weeping. And so what we did was to show you how, like, real this moment marked us is, you, you want to hold it? Well, Crystal did this. But I know you guys can't really see. But this is the actual picture of that night in Brooklyn of what was right over our apartment. It has the coordinates. This is what the stars would have looked like. And we've, she really felt the Lord said to frame that. 
and, and we put the promise of the Lord on that. And so actually this has been in my room. I feel like the Lord has said it needs to go in the office so that every time we come in there, we see this and we're reminded. And so this is connected to all of the promises that God is faithful. I heard him say that night, I am faithful. All right? So actually I have a, a handout with it. Would you mind passing that out, please? Thank you. We're going to pass out a handout. It has... Um, don't, don't worry about it. I'll go through it. There's a fasting thing on it. I'll, I'll just hit at the very end. But there's promises on it. Now, there's a lot of things God has spoken. We really try to just keep it simple. We narrowed it down to these four things. I'm sure there's things you guys may be aware of. Um, but I just, these are the four that we felt to highlight. So I'll let them get passed out and then we'll jump in. Yeah, so we're going to uh, jump in. Oh, I should have said, if there's a couples, you may just need to take one if there's a couple because we don't have. I think we should. A printer got a little messed up, so we had to cut down on the copies. But hopefully someone around you can look on. We'll, we'll send this out in the email as well. But there's four things that we're going to be. So basically what we're going to be doing is we're going to be setting up in the prayer room. We're going to be, you'll even see it on here, a schedule where each day in the prayer room we're going to be attacking a promise. And, uh, and so we'll give just a little more language to it. But the first one, does everyone have it? Or at least someone that you can look on next to someone. Okay. So the first one, I want you to know these are things. Now, there's a lot of desires that we have that we can contend for, and that's beautiful. These are things that we really have heard God say and have been confirmed. So here's the four promises over the next three weeks in the prayer room we're going to be hitting. Number one is that God had promised that he will miraculously provide a building through one person. God will miraculously provide a building. I want to be clear. We're not waiting for a building to start ministry. We are the church. I get all that. That's why I've been slow to even... Um, probably press into this. We just feel God has said, you really need to pray for this. So I'm just being obedient. But he has, he has promised this. You know some of the... Yeah, so I will just talk about like the history of this promise. When we were planting, we went to a worship night when um, Brittany and Caesar were actually still at full gospel. And nobody there knew what I was, what we were doing yet. They had no idea. And this woman came over and, and prayed over me that um, whatever... God was doing, that he would provide a building through one person miraculously. I mean, that's as clear as it was, as simple as it was. And I came, I, I just knew that it was the Lord. I felt the Lord all over it. And I, I cling to that so hardcore. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was just that clear that a woman came over, had, didn't know what was going on, and she just prayed for that. Okay, I'll show yeah, you yeah. Uh -huh. So to that point, like we've tried Recently, we were about to go fundraise because we did that when we started. I feel like, all right, Lord, you want to do a building campaign. I'm not kidding. Someone in this body said, I need to have dinner with you. Came over, has no idea what, like, even about this promise and said, the Lord said he's going to provide a place for you guys and you are not to fundraise. <laughs> you are not to go out and ask for money. God will do this. Yeah, we were going to do, we like, like, a <laughs> run or something like that, right? Yeah. Like a marathon run thing. And as we were getting ready to do that. And, and, and this, like, man, there's so much to say. But when we talk about a place... This is not unto, like, for the sake of a building. No. I know no. It's, it's unto opening up doors for ministry and things that we want to do with children in this area and all different stuff. So, so yeah, it's yeah. bigger than just saying, okay, we, like, I feel like that could be the idea. Like, we made it. We have a place. That is not what we're after. No. Like, honestly, I love the tent. Yeah. Like, part of me just, I didn't, but this is what Lord has promised, and he said, I want you to pray for this. So we are. Yeah. He knows yeah. best. I don't know what's going to come down the road, but he's saying, now, start praying. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we do love the tent. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, gosh, we have to say this one? No, but the truth is God said it. And to me, it's not even necessarily about the ministry that can take place in there. But this, like, God said, and then he does. <laughs> and I just can't wait to see it personally. I can't wait to see these things come to pass. Because I know that once that happens, he's going to speak the next thing. And then we can wait for that and intercede for that, too. So, yeah. Uh, 
oh, let me just say really quick. And then there was another woman who's super prophetic, and she came here for just recently. And this is what really, I think, stirred the, the quickness of this, is that she was praying over me, and she said the same things about that the buildings were coming and that she saw buildings. Um, and then a woman in my discipleship group, Jess, she's actually not here, she had a dream that her and our discipleship group, um, was the door was open, and they all were looking for me, and I wasn't there, and Phoebe came around the corner. Sam called Phoebe's name. Phoebe's my youngest daughter, and Phoebe led them into the back room, and I was on my back, hysterically crying, hysterically laughing with keys in my hand. Yeah, <laughs> and they were all like, so what? You have a house. What does it matter? You have keys in your hand. And I said, the tent doesn't have a lock. The tent doesn't have a lock. <laughs> and she really felt like um, that it was going to happen quickly. She said Phoebe was about two years old. So if you know, Phoebe's uh, 15 months now. So I just really felt that we needed to press into this promise. Yeah. yeah. All right, the second one that we're going to be praying for is, I mean, this is such a loaded thing, but it's, it's a heart. Like, this is where I think it comes in where we're not just after, <sighs> we're just operating, uh, I guess, for a different purpose than what maybe a lot of times you see in church. But it says, we will see a great move of the spirit that will cause personal and city transformation. We believe this in our heart. When we, God was putting this on our heart before we came out here. And one of the things that really, where God first confirmed this is, there was a, one of the local newspapers, I don't know if it was the South Shore Press or whatnot, but when we just started, it says revivals, uh, revival hits the mastics. And now it was about like ready, uh, it was like regular city um, transformation, things like that. But when we read it, I felt like the Lord was saying this is a picture, a sign, a word of what is to come. Yeah. Um, so a few things with this. Uh, we believe that when this, this move of the Spirit comes, that it will not be temporary. A lot of times things come and go. We believe that, that God wants us to be lasting. I think that's deeply connected to the prayer room and keeping the fire burning on the altar continuously. In fact, I think we'll see increase of what's happening. It's not going to be something that comes and then fades away. Um, we, things like just these are kind of sub points that you see in your sheet for uh, prayer points. Um, Christian business owners, we think there's going to be Christian business owners that flood Neighborhood Road. We feel like the Lord has confirmed that many ways. Family restoration will be a big thing that we'll see. We believe that this revival will be faceless and nameless. Like the only one that will be known is Jesus. Ezekiel 44 has been the text that has marked us, which was a future city where it said the name of the city is the Lord is there. The only thing people knew when they went to that city is that the Lord is there. And we believe that when people come into this city, into this house, that will be the defining mark. They may not know who preaches, who sings, any of those things. They may not even know the name of the church, but they will say God is in this place. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a scripture that's, that's marked us as well for this in terms of like the restoration pattern, Isaiah 61, which Jesus fulfilled, but his oil drips on us, so we get to walk in it as well. But he said the spirit of the Lord was upon him to do all of these incredible works, set the captives free. And then it says when a people anointed by the spirit goes out, it says that they will reach the most broken and the most broken will become oaks of righteousness, which is the most stable tree. I feel this is so important for this community because there's a lot of brokenness and that by people who have been marked by the Spirit, they're going to go out and the most broken will become the most stable. And then it says those people, they will actually be the ones that rebuild their city. Yes. They'll actually look and say, wow, there is work to be done. And I feel God said this will be a pattern of how this outpouring and revival will take place. I'm sure that's how many of you guys came to this church because I feel like when uh, like uh, some churches around People go there and, and they're like, oh, we don't know how to help you. They're like, go to home church because, you know, they used to be a mess and they'll help you. So I had <laughs> the truth is that that's really what our church is established on is broken people being restored to. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So these, these are some specific things that have been confirmed over and over. Uh, the next sub points that people would be set free from drug addiction just walking down the street because of the anointing. Yeah. yeah. Starting at starting at the, the lighthouse. lighthouse. The lighthouse. That's always been the marker in prayer. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're good. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah, that people it. would uh, people who are addicted to drugs would walk down the street and when they get to the lighthouse that they would be under the conviction and the glory of God so much so that they would throw their drugs away and that they would be so um, brought back to reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Another thing that the city would be so miraculously restored that government officials would take note and invite us into their broken cities to help there as well. Yeah. That would be another thing There's as well. There's been a lot of dreams of arrows flying from um, this point to other places, and that has a yeah. lot to do Again, with that. Again, these things just, you know, these have been like saturated with multiple people saying this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number three, uh, there will be unity among the Long Island churches through a worship movement. Yeah. Again, I think this really connects to what's happening in the prayer room. Yeah. Um, you want to briefly share those um, two? Yeah, sure. Um, so that was, we, we've received a few prophetic words about that, and they all link together so much so that literally, like, we're in shock. Like, our jaws drop when we hear somebody else speak about it. A lot of it has to do with the heart of a fish, pumping blood to the body. We had a man named Chris Garcia uh, minister about that. And then Michael Malden, who you guys met, prophesied a similar prophecy about the Long Island Sound, about um, revival and unity coming through a worship movement, which has already really started to take place as we do these um, song labs and things like that. And even in the prayer room, we have other leaders come in. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I'm really, uh, we just see it coming to fruition yeah. already. Yeah. So. And there's yeah. been dreams that, that in order for us to see the things we want to see on Long Island, unity has to take place. There's such division among the churches, and we really think worship is going to be a place that connects that. So this yeah. is really a big, big thing. Yes. Um, yeah. So then the last one is, I mean, there were so many ways we wanted to word this, but we said our gatherings would be a meeting place between God and man, a place where his glory rests. And so we really believe that... Um, when we gather that this, when we say a meeting place, this has been God's desire. It's actually interesting. One of the names for the tabernacle is the tent of meeting. When, when you look at it, although there were all of these uh, priests and all these articles and things that you can get lost in, the primary purpose was that when the saints would gather there, it would be a place to meet with God. And that is, and in the new covenant, we can go to a place that it could never happen in the old covenant. So when I say that, I want you to know, like, we always say, yeah, we're meeting with God. I mean, like, God's glory is here. God's fame is here. God's presence is so strong that when people come in, their lives are changed. It has been said, like before we got this tent, God was speaking about, I want you to be, you're going to be a tent of meeting. And then we literally got a tent. <laughs> Again, I'm not saying we're going to stay in the tent, but um, that idea of this is going to be a place where we meet with the Lord. Uh, it's been prophesied that in this place, in this tent, that all who come in will be healed. I mean, of everything, salvation, like spiritual brokenness, mental, emotional, physical. Yeah. These are things that we're going to be contending for with prayer and fasting over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think we can look at this promise in particular for me, and we can say, well, there's a measure of that taking place. Yeah. But I want the fullness, and I, I want to see the lame walk and blind eyes open. Like, God, Jesus is able to do that. I want to see people who are addicted to drugs completely change in a moment. That is what the glory of God can do. And, yes, yeah, and we can, and we can see sprinkles and trickles, but I, I think that we need to contend for the fullness of that, right? And and not from a hopeless place, but full of hope that like when Jesus walked the earth, <laughs> that is the very things he did. So we don't need theology that explains away why these things aren't happening. We just need to contend with all of our hearts and rend our hearts and be brokenhearted for, for those things, amen, and just pour ourselves into this, because I believe wholeheartedly that we will see it. Yeah. yeah. That's why we're putting promises down that we know God has spoken, because we're not praying for things that we hope he will do. Yeah. We feel he has said these things, so we have such confidence that these things will come to pass. Ooh, it's starting to rain. All right. Yes, it is. So <laughs> the bottom of this, you'll see on your sheet, there's a prayer room uh, schedule. The promises are listed out. Again, it'll, it'll be clear, but if you if you see, you'll see what promises are, are we're contending for. Uh, there's a quote that I didn't put on yours. I just want you to hear this. It's so powerful, E.M. Bounds. He said, God's promises lie like giant corpses without life, only for decay and dust, unless men and women appropriate and vivify these promises by earnest and prevailing prayer. God's just waiting for these promises to come to life. But who will stand in the gap and pray for these things? Yes? Yeah. All right. Um, how are we doing? Man, it's 12.04. Can I get 10 more minutes? I know we're going a little bit over. Is that all right? And we'll close. <laughs> Rob says no. I just, I want to, we're going to, I'm just going to hit the fasting because I know there's questions. And we'll finish here. All right? So if you look at your sheet at the top, if you have it, we have a few different ways to fast. Um, let me just say this really, really quick. 
When it comes to fasting, I know for a lot of people, there's a lot of confusion. But this is one of the ways that we actually can contend for promises is through fasting. What is it? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's, it's not a religious activity because that's how we often see it. Fasting is not us punishing ourselves to try to earn God's favor. Okay, that's what the prophets of Baal did on Mount Carmel. They cut themselves, try to get their God's attention. We are not trying to cause ourselves misery to say, God, do you see me now? Okay, that is not the case. We are sons and daughters. What it is is we are so hungry for God. We are so hungry for the bread of life that we are willing to push aside regular food to consume him. Fasting is rooted in love for God. Uh, Matthew 9, when the, John's disciples came to Jesus, they said, how come we fast? John the Baptist's disciples. They said, how come we fast and, and the Pharisees fast and your disciples do not fast? And he said, why would the guests of the, of the wedding mourn while the bridegroom is still with them? He says, but there's a day coming when the bridegroom will be taken away and then they will fast. And what he's saying is, he's the bridegroom, we're the bride. And there's something about fasting that, one, brings us into an encounter with the presence of God. Because once he leaves, he said, then they'll fast because they're going to be lovesick for me. Fasting is rooted in a bridal ache for the bridegroom. And it is predominantly in food. Okay, I want to be really clear. Biblical fasting is food. You can sacrifice many things to the Lord. Crystal and I, I can just be vulnerable. We're giving up screens for these next three weeks because there are things that just cloud your heart and your mind and your affections. And I feel God is really calling people to sacrifice things too as well. But, but sacrifice is things like games and, and other things outside of food. But biblically, fasting is about food because Jesus is the bread of life. All right? Matthew 6, one of Jesus' famous teachings on fasting, he says, when you fast, not if, when. So he, to Jesus, that would be a staple of our lives as born-again believers, not just for radical believers, but everyone would fast. It would be part of our lifestyle. And here's the key, is that after he says, when you fast, he says, don't be like the hypocrites, don't be like the Pharisees who do it to be seen by man. And basically to summarize, he says, do it in a way that only your father who sees what's done in secret sees it. And then he says this, and your father who sees what's done in secret will openly reward you. There are open rewards to fasting. Now, he is the greatest reward, but when you fast, internally there's rewards. You get godly emotions. Your heart begins to have zeal restored to it. Your mind gets renewed. Your eyes get opened up to see him because our eyes have been wandering. And there's external openly reward, open rewards, which is things like breakthrough in ministry, Amen. answers to prayer, fulfillment of promises. And that's the part that we really feel God is going to respond to. I mean, he's going to do all those things in your heart. But we really feel like it's the, it's the external open reward that we're going to see in this fast. Okay? Okay, I just, last time we fasted as a body is when the, all, everything got, right after we were done, really, everything got shut down. And everything radically changed for our body, um, which has been really beautiful for us. So get ready for change. Yeah. No, seriously, if we all yeah. commit to this, guys, it is so powerful. We're going to see something, like, unbelievable happen if we all say yes to this. Okay. So I promise, last text, I just want you to see why we're doing three weeks. Daniel 10, and then we'll pray right here. So I won't go through them, but on your sheet, and we can email this out, you're going to see different types of fast. They have uh, definitions there. You can, all I'd say is be led by the Lord. Don't just do something because that's the way you've always done it. Ask God, how do you want me to enter into this fast this time? And, and just say yes to it, whatever it looks like, all right? So Daniel 10, really quick. Daniel chapter 10, and I'm going to just ver read verse, verse 2. So this is Daniel while he's in Babylonian captivity. He says, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks, Okay. What was he doing in those three weeks? He said, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So he fasted for three weeks. He did what's called a Daniel fast. There's an explanation on the sheet. But he was fasting for three weeks. And it says, and on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river. Remember that man had a vision of Crystal and I on the bank of the river. He says, um, which is Tigris, he lifted up his eyes and behold, he had a vision, which was Jesus. Okay. But now I want you to look at verse 12. This is an angel that comes to explain the vision that he had because of this three-week fast. And I want you to see what happened. Verse 12. Daniel 10, verse 12. Had this vision of Jesus 
Verse 12 says, the angel speaking, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. Listen, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I've become because of your words. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which is a demonic principality over Persia empire. It says, withstood me 21 days. So there was spiritual conflict happening over this region for 21 days. But as he kept fasting through, it broke. And it says, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help, uh, help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. So real quick, you got to picture this. What happened is he enters into a fast. Now think about this. It's 21 days, three weeks after he fasted, and an angel comes forth. And he says, but the moment you begin to fast and pray, I heard, God heard your words. It's now 21 days later. What would that have looked like? Day one, day two, day three, and you're not seeing anything happen. And the temptation is in that moment to bail out because we're not aware of what's happening in the unseen realm. But if we're aware of what's happening that through fasting, prayer, worship, we're actually shifting things that sit over regions and cities. Like there are literally spiritual warfare that takes place. If we press through, we will see a breakthrough because it's in the word of God. And so he continued to press through and then Daniel, Daniel continued to press through and then the angel came. And I believe like for three weeks as we just hit these things, there is so much that's going to shift over your lives, your families, but over this city as well. Yeah. All right. One of my, uh, well, there's, uh, there's a series that Andrew taught on fasting that I'll send through email if you guys want to listen to learn more about fasting because I have never heard it put that the way of um, that you're mourning and you're longing. And I think, you know, if you've ever mourned somebody or if you've ever longed for someone or been lovesick, oftentimes you don't eat. So that's um, a big thing. But my favorite scripture is um, pertaining to uh, fasting that I love to keep in my mind is uh, Galatians. Is the angels? <laughs> is uh, Galatians 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. And when we sow in the spirit, we reap in the spirit. And I just always keep that in my mind when I'm fasting because I know that his word doesn't return void. And that if I sow in the spirit, that I will reap in the spirit. And it's just everything that you have been speaking about, you know. And that it's just good to have something to cling to in the word of God when you're fasting. So I want to encourage you guys, obviously, to get in the prayer room and to come and contend, contend for these promises for the body of Christ in your home too, but also I want you guys to, I, I really want to encourage you to write your own four promises down <laughs> and contend for those during this fast as well. Yeah. So. Amen. Let's stand. Yeah. What a beautiful, beautiful season we're about to enter into. Whoa, it's raining. <laughs> if you guys have any questions on fasting, you can reach out. Thank you, Lord. But we're going to start tomorrow. You guys ready to do this? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Seriously, there's going to be so much change that takes place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, right now, we just dedicate ourselves to you. We set apart this body. You said it in Joel 2, to call the people, assemble the people, consecrate, and declare a fast. Lord, we are turning to you, Lord. God, we are putting your word before us. God, we will not settle in lesser things than what you've spoke. Yes. Lord, I just pray that our hearts would not be distracted, yes. that we'd not feel like it's too big. Oh, yes. Lord, re renew our minds that you own everything. Yes, Lord. The earth and all that is in it is yours, Lord. What we've said today to see this city radically transformed is not too hard for you, Lord. It is nothing for you, Lord. So I just pray, God, that grace would be released. We pray for strongholds yes. to be broken. Yes. We pray for yes. open heavens, not just over our lives, but over this city, God. We pray for over those that are bound in darkness right now. God, we pray that we would see the very things that you have spoken to us come to pass. Lord, may hearts come alive. May this be a meeting place where your glory, you can't, you can't miss it, Lord. It just confronts every person in the most beautiful way. God, may we see your provision come through with a building. Lord, may we see the move of the spirit that you've put in our heart years ago. God, may we see unity of churches on this island and let it come through worship, Lord. Let your will be done. God, I pray for a yes in our spirit. 
to, to bear the weight of these promises Amen. and to step in Amen. the gap and intercede yes. over these next few weeks. Thank you, Lord. And we pray it in thank Jesus' you, name. Yeah, I'm just Amen. Gonna, I'm going to pray. Amen. Lord, I just thank you that you take what the enemy means for evil and you turn it for good, God. So in the places where we have doubted your word, you're just going to turn the enemy on his head right now, oh God. And I pray right now that you would restore, revive, and reopen the eyes of your people to the things that you have spoken over their lives, oh God. I thank you, Lord God, that faith is going to come, oh Lord God, that you're going to pour out the gift of faith for these promises. I thank you, Lord God, that you are a speaking God. I thank you that there will be destinies restored purpose restored, O oh God, and promises taken back, snatched back from the enemy's hands, O oh God. I pray right now for any promises that have been perverted, O oh God, by disappointment or distraction, O oh God, or denial, that you would restore them now, O oh, in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you remind your people, O oh God, what you have spoken over them in the mighty name of Jesus, and I thank you, Lord, that we are lovesick and that we have eternal hope in you. I thank you for the river of hope that runs through every circumstance, oh God, and we just, we just say yes to you, and we say thank you for your hope, oh God. Thank you for the cross, Lord God, that shows us what the enemy means for harm. <laughs> you turn it on its head, oh God, and we trust you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.